Good morning. We're glad you're here today. It's a beautiful day. Very thankful for the opportunity to be together. Very thankful for the opportunity that we have this afternoon to honor our graduates. We've got a number of young people who are going to be graduating and beginning a whole new life in many ways. And so we want to wish them well. We want to keep them in our prayers as they begin new endeavors in life. It's an exciting time and we wish them the very best. And so we're grateful for the opportunity that we have to honor them with a luncheon today. And then uh, hopefully and prayerfully, this is just the beginning of a great, great life. We're gonna be looking at Hebrews chapter 12 in our study today. And I chose this text because we are honoring our graduates. And even though it's applicable to them, it's applicable to all. Next week, I want us to maybe look in a different direction and I want to just say something about the lesson next week because the lesson today really is intended to inspire, to encourage, and I think about all the plans and the hopes that you have. And when you graduate from whether it's high school or college, you've got so many years ahead and you think about all the tremendous possibilities and all of your plans and your goals and it's our prayer that you will reach all of your plans or goals in life. Sometimes, however, things don't go as planned. And so next week in our study, we're going to be talking about when life doesn't go as planned. Because what you've got to understand is things don't always go as you may think they will go. And so we're going to be looking at that in more detail next week. I want to invite you to turn with me today to Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to think about for a moment or two Staying, staying on course with the Lord. And as we think about this theme today, staying on course with the, with the Lord, I want to begin by reading for you verses 1 through 3, the passage read a moment ago. And then we're going to make some observations. And as, a, as I said a moment ago, we're going to be looking at this in a very positive way. And as we begin our lesson today, I want you to think a minute about your plans in life and your goals. And it's my prayer, as I said a moment ago, it's my prayer that all of your plans, all of your goals will come to fruition. And what I want to do is to give you some advice on how to make the best of your life because you want the best life. You want a blessed life. And so as you think about that, listen to what the writer said beginning in verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded... By so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So what about staying on course with the Lord? How can I, as a child of God, not just stay on course, but stay the course? Our goal is to reach heaven, whether we're young or old, and we all want to be there together one day. So I want to begin by, first of all, I want to encourage those of us who are present today, and particularly our young people. 
to remain in the faith, to remain a person of faith. The writer in chapter 12 talks about the author and finisher of our faith. We understand that the Lord Jesus is the one who led the way for us to enjoy all the blessings and favors that we have from God. Not only was Jesus the one who led the way, but He is the one that brought to consummation all the wonderful blessings and favors that we have. We call it redemption, don't we? Salvation. The hope that we have of heaven one day. And so as we think about faith in the Lord and the importance of remaining a person of faith in the Lord, I want to begin by talking about the importance of faith. And as you think about the importance of faith, what's the basis of our faith today? The faith that you have is a result of God's Word, isn't it? Paul said, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God in Romans 10, verse 17. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. If you go back and look at chapter 11, and typically we talk about these great people of God, who live by faith, and faith is taking God at His Word and then living in compliance with that Word. In other words, obeying His will, obeying His Word. And you can read about men like Abel, who offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Obviously, God had given instructions on worship. In verse 7, you read about a man by the name of Noah, who had been warned of God of things not seen as yet and moved with godly fear to the saving of his household. In other words, he built an ark. As a result of that, he saved not just himself, but also his household. But the basis of the faith, whether it be Abel or Noah or us today, it is the hearing of God's Word. And so the basis of that faith, and then I think about the blessings of faith. We want to live a blessed life, don't we? I think about our young people today as they begin this, really this new life. Everything's going to be new and exciting as you leave home and go to college, go to school. Maybe some of you are graduating from college and you think about the opportunities that lay before you. To remember that there are blessings associated with living a life of faith. The writer said in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 6, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to Him Without what? Without faith. But He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after Him. If you go back to the Old Testament, and you read, for example, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is recorded. Moses actually is the one who does the writing. But he's talking to the children of Israel, and he's talking about their future inheritance, the promised land. And what God says, in effect, is, look, if you will live by faith, and you will honor the Word of God, He will bless you immensely. However, if you choose to ignore the Word of God and disobey Him, He said you will suffer terrible consequences. He'll bless you if you obey Him. He'll curse you if you disobey Him. So what I want to do is encourage you to live a life of faith. The basis of faith is His Word. The blessings of faith, honoring His Word, obeying His Word. Now, there's a second thing I want you to consider with me for a moment or two. We talk about the importance of faith, but the investigation of faith. 
Now the Bible tells us, the writer in Hebrews tells us, that Jesus is the author and finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Those of you that are about to begin college, it might, it might well be the case that when you sit in a classroom in a university, your faith is going to be under attack. So what I want to encourage you to do, examine the evidence. There are going to be individuals who are going to do everything that they can to literally destroy your faith, to knock the props right out from under you. So what you've got to do, examine the evidence. They're going to tell you, some of these professors today, today in our colleges, our universities, they will tell their students that we are the products of evolution, that we're the products of chance or some cataclysmic explosion. Well, the Hebrew writer tells us, look at Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 3, the writer said, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made from things which are visible. God made something out of nothing, didn't He? The university classroom that you will one day sit in was built by somebody. The chairs that you will sit in one day, the desk that you may sit in in college, somebody designed those, somebody built them. If somebody built something like a classroom building, tables, chairs, etc., then you can rest assured that there is a God who designed this world. Think about your cell phone for a minute. Many of us have an iPhone. And you think about how, I mean, that thing is incredible, isn't it? And yet, it wasn't the product of chance, but rather somebody designed it, somebody made it. And by the same token, somebody made you, somebody made the world. The Bible tells us that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. So I encourage you, examine the evidence. There may be some that are going to tell you, Jesus Christ is nothing more than a fictitious character. Hard to believe, but some might say that. Some may want to pass him off as a fraud, that he wasn't really the Son of God. There are some today who take great delight in mocking and ridiculing the Son of God. Again, I would ask you, examine the evidence. Go back and sift through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And as you look at the Gospel narratives... Read those pages of inspired Scripture and look at the life of Jesus. Examine His miracles. Look at His message. Truth has nothing to fear. You know, John wrote in John chapter 20, many of the signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, He said, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So what I want to encourage you to do, take the book of John. There are seven signs or miracles recorded in that great book. Investigate them. You'll see Jesus demonstrating His power over matter, His power over nature, His power over disease and illness, His power over death. And you read and you study and you investigate and you draw your conclusions. Examine the evidence. And those who will tell you that Jesus is nothing more than a fraud, well, you know, you know better. Why? Because you've examined the evidence. And then I would encourage you, embrace the evidence. In other words, once you've sifted through that body of evidence, you're a person of faith right now. 
And you don't want anybody coming, coming along and destroying your faith or circumventing that faith. So you examine the evidence and then you embrace the evidence. Because when you study and you research and you draw your conclusions, I'll tell you what, your faith will become stronger. You'll become more deeply com- convicted and committed to the Lord. Do you remember the Apostle Peter taught in 1 Peter chapter 3? Sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to give an answer, a defense to every man that asks you of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. In other words, you have so equipped your life. You have so instilled God's Word in your mind. If somebody were to ask you, what do you believe, you could tell them. If they were to ask you, why do you believe that again, you could tell them. Embrace the evidence. Be like Paul when he wrote to Timothy in the long ago, and he said, I know whom I believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That's conviction. That's commitment. And that's what you want. So first and foremost, stay a person of faith. Stay in the faith. But then secondly, not only stay in the faith when it comes to the Lord, but stay focused on the Lord. In other words, you make sure that the Lord is the focal point of your life. What the writer is telling us in Hebrews chapter 12, first and foremost he's saying, you stay focused on Christ. Listen again to what he has to say, chapter 12. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I want to encourage you, and it might be that there are some here today who are older in life. As I said a moment ago, the lesson today is applicable for all. But primarily I think about young people. And you've got your whole life before you. And you're going to be making choices in the next few years that will be independent of your parents. Up until this point in time, they've made decisions for you. Well, let me tell you what, there's coming a day when you're going, to be on, you're going to be on autopilot. You're going to be making those decisions in your life on your own. You want to make the right decisions in life. So stay focused on Christ. And here it is. First and foremost, you build your life on the Lord. Build your life on the Lord. If you want to be blessed and you want to enjoy a good life, and I'm talking about a good life, a rich life, here it is. Build it on the Lord. The psalmist said, Except the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus talked about that wise man that built his house on the rock? That's what you want to do. You want to build your life, build your home on the Lord. Because that, that is the kind of life that will stand the test of time. Jesus talked about how the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house. And He said it fell not. Why? Because it was founded, it was built upon the rock. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only should you build your life on the Lord, but I would say build your life around the Lord. Make Make Him the focal point of your life. The best time to begin serving God is when? Not when you're old. Best time to begin is when you're young. You see, when you're young, 
You haven't gotten into a lot of bad habits, hopefully. It's hard to change somebody who's old in life. But I think about somebody who is young. Build your life on the Lord and then build your life around the Lord. In other words, make Him the hub. One day you're going to get married. When you choose your mate, marry somebody that's going to help you get to heaven. I mean, that's where you want to go, isn't it? You want to go to heaven. So marry a Christian. Marry somebody that's got the same goals, the same aspirations, the same values that you have. So build your life around the Lord. And so, with that in mind, I think about passages like Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. As you embark upon this whole new way of life, make sure that Jesus is first in everything that you do. Make sure that He is the focal point in your life, day in, day out. I promise you this, He'll bless you. When Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, Many, many years ago in Colossians chapter 3, he talked about how we are to set our affections, to set our mind on things above and not on things which are upon this earth. In verse 4, he said, And when Christ, who is our life, that's the idea right there. You build your life on the Lord, and then you build your life around the Lord. Remember in Philippians chapter 1, in verse 21, Paul would say to the saints in Philippi, Paul was in prison. And Paul said, for to me to live is Christ. In other words, this is what my life's all about. You want to be successful in life? Then make Christ your life. Somebody asks you, what's your life all about? You say, my, life's about, my life is about the Lord. I'm interested in His will, in His ways, in His Word. And look, I want to go to heaven. Nothing wrong with that. So, stay focused on Christ. And then secondly, stay focused on the cross of Christ. It'll keep you grounded. Listen again to the writer. He talked about Jesus who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. One of the benefits of attending worship every first day of the week, and let me tell you what, as a young person, you're not going to have your mom or your dad serving as your alarm clock. They're not going to be able to get you out of bed and get you to worship and Bible study. You're going to have to be man enough or woman enough to get up on your own. You're going to have to decide that on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 10.30, whatever the time may be, that you're going to be in worship. That you're going to be in Bible study. Sunday night, guess what? You're going to be in Bible study or worship. Wednesday night, again, that's where you're going to be. You've got to make that decision. Now, one of the benefits of assembling on the first day of the week, it's going to keep, it's going to jog your memory and remind you of the cross of Christ. Think about it for just a moment or two. Jesus endured the cross so that you might be redeemed. When you come together on the first day of the week, when we come together on the first day of the week, we're reminding ourselves of the redemptive blood of Jesus, aren't we? The writer in Hebrews chapter 9 talks about the blood of Christ and the fact that He offered that blood without spot to God. The blood of Christ is what washes away our sins. It's fundamental to our relationship with the Lord. 
So as you live day to day, and you think about focusing your mind on Christ and then focusing your mind, your life on the cross of Christ, it'll keep you grounded. To remember that Jesus endured the cross to redeem you from sin. And not only to redeem you, but also to reconcile you. He endured the cross. Now, we go back every first day of the week as we partake of the Lord's Supper. And we think about the sinless Son of God suffering and dying on Calvary for our sins. Didn't Peter say that Jesus bore our sins in His body on the cross? Yes, He did. Didn't Jesus reconcile both Jew and Gentile in one body unto God through the cross? Yes, sir. So you have the opportunity to remind yourself of those great truths every first day of the week. So, faith in the Lord, that is an imperative. Secondly, stay focused on the Lord. And then there's a third thing, and that is stay faithful to the Lord. Stay faithful to the Lord. Why is it so important to think about faithfulness? Well, because we want to go to heaven. But I want you to look at verse 3. In verse 3, here's what the writer said. Consider Him, that is, consider Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. The longer you live, the more you're going to come to understand this. Life. Life can present you with an array of trials. Trials can do a couple of things. Trials potentially, the trials that you face in this life, potentially they can, they can dampen your faith. They can discourage you. And if you're not prepared for the trials of life, you remember what Job said, man born of woman is a few days full of trouble. You may not have problems, trials, tribulations in your life right now, but I tell you what, you live long enough, you'll have some. Very few people get through this world unscathed. There are many of us that have faced health issues, some diseases, some have suffered economic setbacks. Some have lost their job. I mean, there are so many things that can happen in life. And the writer here is saying, look, you've got to keep your eyes on Christ. You've got to keep your eyes on the cross of Christ. You've got to look at Jesus. Here is the supreme example of somebody who persevered, who endured trials and difficulties in life. Why? Because they can discourage. The writer said, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What he's saying is, discouragement is a real possibility. Let me tell you what, the devil knows discouragement is a tremendous tool. If he can discourage you, then what's, what's the possibility? Wave the white flag, say, I've had enough, I've given up. So, trials can discourage, yes. They can discourage you in the faith, but they can also, if you're not careful, destroy your faith. Go back and read the book of Job sometime this summer. Read through the book of Job. Job faced a lot of heartache in his life. I can tell you this, I bet you had you had, you had the opportunity to interview him before 
his life was turned upside down, he would have said, I never imagined anything like this. Matter of fact, in chapter 3, he said, that which I feared the most has happened to me. So maybe he did think about some possibilities in life. But to the magnitude, not sure. But he faced a lot of troubles and a lot of trials. And Job said in the long ago, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Don't allow the trials and tribulations that you face in this life, do not allow them to discourage you, and please do not allow them to destroy your faith. Because that's what the devil wants. So if you, know, if you know beforehand, if you're prepared, as they say, because we want to be faithful to God, come what may, good times, bad times, sunny days, rainy days, the highs and the lows, the joys and the frustrations of life, we want to be faithful to God. Because that's what we're talking about. Staying faithful to the Lord. And to understand that trials are a part of life, but not just trials, but temptations. Can temptation, can it weary you? Can the daily grind of temptation, the daily grind of doing battle with the devil, I mean, can that potentially destroy your faith? Yes, if you're not careful. So here's, here's, here's the point. Number one, do not give in. You're going to meet a whole new group of friends when you go to school. When you start out in the work environment after graduating from college, you're exposed to a lot of new things and a lot of new people. And let me tell you what, there are people in this world, whether they are on the job or in the classroom, they don't necessarily have your value system. They don't look at life as you do. And you're going to be encouraged to maybe participate in some things that you've never participated in before. It might be the case that they're going to do their best to push the needle, to push the envelope to get you to do something that you know deep down in your heart God would never have you to do. Do not, and I repeat, do not give in. Do you remember what James said? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There are going to be people that will offer you alcohol, other types of recreational drugs. You're going to face a lot of peer pressure, but you've got to have the ability to say, no, I'm not going there. Do not give in. And then secondly, do not give up. Is it possible, as a human being, whether young or old, that we might just succumb to temptation? That we might give in? That in a weakened moment, we might do something that typically we wouldn't do? Sure. But look, just because you made a mistake doesn't mean you've got to live in that mistake. Doesn't mean you've got to continue in that sin. So what do you do? As a child of God, you repent, you ask God to forgive you. As John said, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As John said, 1 John chapter 2, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is before the bar of heaven and He is pleading our case before the Father. The basis upon which we enjoy forgiveness, the blood of Jesus. So don't give up. 
If you make a mistake, if you fall short, acknowledge it and move on. Don't let it destroy your faith. Don't get discouraged. Don't beat yourself up. Look, we all make mistakes. We're not perfect. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. We wouldn't need the church, would we? So we're not perfect. So what we got to do is to be man or woman enough to just acknowledge our faults, our shortcomings, our weaknesses, and then move on, move forward. We'll close today by saying, especially to our graduates, this is such an exciting time. I would love to think that if I were 18, I'd do some things differently. And I suspect that there are a lot of folks here today who are my age that probably think similarly. You have a golden opportunity before you. You have the opportunity of a lifetime to live a happy, blessed life. That's what God wants for you. That's what we want for you. You remember Peter talked about those who would love life and see good days? I love life. And somebody were to ask me, would you do it again? Would you like to start over? Absolutely. Man, I'd love it. I'd love to be where you're sitting right now, to just have the opportunity to do it all again. That's not possible. But you today have so many wonderful opportunities before you. And I want to encourage you Please, stay on course and stay the course when it comes to living for the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for this day, for the opportunity to be together. We're thankful for our young people, particularly those who are graduating. And Father, we pray that you richly bless them as they begin this new chapter in their In their lives, we ask that you would richly bless them, give them wisdom to make wise decisions. And Father, we pray that they might live a life that would be to your honor and glory. Keep them safe, watch over them. And Father, we pray that one day we might all be together in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, as always, we want you to know that Christ died for your sins. That's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What would you need to do to become a New Testament Christian? Well, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of your sins as they did on Pentecost Day, Acts 2, 38. Confess the name of Christ before others as the eunuch did in Acts chapter 8, verse 37. And then be buried with Him in baptism so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And then just be faithful. Stay the course. Stay on course and be faithful and the promise is the crown of life. If you're here today and for whatever reason your life's not what it ought to be, you need the prayers of the church, look, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you and God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.